Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. Today, we mark a special event in boxing, the 100-year anniversary of the birth of celebrated trainer Angelo Dundee. Angelo was born on August 30th, 1921, and spent about 50 years all in all in the sport, training the likes of Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard, to name but two. He also trained one Irish fighter, and this man joins us today to discuss working alongside a bona fide legend of the sport. The boxer in question went by the nickname Rocky Ross Muck, and in recent years, through a radio documentary, a film, and books in both English and Irish, was called The Man Who Was Never Knocked Down. Dundee said the best two chins in boxing belong to Ali and Sean Mannion, who joins us today. Sean, Diagwit, I'm going to talk to you. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was, a, it was a mission, but we have got there in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how have you been? I've taken you, I think, from work to to set up this interview. What what, what are you working at? What are you up to? I just working labouring with uh, Devereaux, and um, uh, got, got me out early today. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to be of some service here. They're, they're good people, like you know. Yeah, uh, I'm working with a guy from Rossmore, Christopher man. Oh, very good. Uh, Rossmore, Connemara, the closest place to Boston, like they say, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them there. <laughs> Sean, we're here to mark a, uh, the 100-year anniversary of Angelo Dundee, who worked with you, but I believe you also hit a milestone yourself. 65, happy birthday. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Did, you did you have a party for it? No, too old for parties now. Never, never. Um, Sean, you you yourself were once known as like a forgotten Irish great boxer or neglected even. Uh, But with the radio documentary, the film, the books, do you feel that's been put right in recent years? I think so, yeah. They're doing all right. uh, It was kind of hard for them, like, because I was over in America and they're, they're in Ireland and it's hard to be keeping in contact all the time, you know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, I, I'm happy with the way I was treated there. Yeah, absolutely. And a, a lot of your story is known up to the time when you fought, fought Mike, Mike McCallum. It, that's often covered in these documentaries and, you know, that night at Madison Square Garden, a famous night, 15 rounds with the Jamaican body snatcher. And a lot of your story is known up to that point. 
But I suppose I want to dig down. I, I'm sure our listeners are devoted boxing fans and they know an awful lot about your story, Brett, going in there. But I'm curious today to find out about your time after McCallum. So yeah. you fight, fight him in 1984 and the following year, you build up a streak of wins and you start working with the one and only Angelo Dundee. First of all, how were you admirer of his work before you ever got together? Did you know him? Did no. you met him on the circuit? I never had met him, but um, I knew all about him. Like you know, because I knew about him since I was back home as a kid, and he was he was a really great guy. Like you know, and so what happened then? Like my the manager I, I had, Jimmy Connolly from South Boston, I wanted to leave him, and uh, because he wasn't doing. I don't think he was doing the right thing, but his, uh, the lawyer I had, uh, Tony Capnelli, he asked me, what about going with Angela Dundee? And I said, what? I said, it was Angela Dundee. Are you kidding me? I said, I mean, I, I never thought I'd even meet the guy, never mind be, him being my trainer. So he, he called him up on the phone and we had a conversation over the phone. And the following day, I was down in Florida with Angela Dundee. And that was that was about I had that was about four years before I retired. And he was a really nice person. He he really reminded me of my trainer back home, who I always called my trainer Mike Flaherty, because he he's he's the one that started the club in Rustbrook in nineteen sixty eight. And I thought I learned everything I had about boxing from him, like, you know. But uh he was the same kind of a guy like uh, like Angelo Dundee. Angelo was a really nice person. What was your first impressions of him when you met him that time in Florida? Apart from getting over the heat, did, did was he there in Florida at the time, or was he off training someone else? Or uh, no, I was out fighting out in California, oh. and he came out there. Uh, we met we met out, outside in, uh, in Stockton, California. And I was fighting Fred Hutchins. And that's the first. Time I, uh, that was I, that was my first fight with him. Well, no, my second one. I had one in Florida, but he wasn't in Florida at the time. He he had gone away. He was with uh, somebody, and uh, then my my the second fight I had was with Fred Hutchins out in California, and uh, like uh, that's when I met him first. I mean, that's when we we worked together. Yeah, yeah. And then I used to go down to Florida a lot and train at. Uh, You've got an excellent book out. So like, the man who's never knocked down the, the life of boxer Sean Mannion by Ronan McConivra. And he describes that you arriving in Florida and you're actually in very good shape. So they realize it's just get to get your fight ready rather than um didn't have to do very much work with you. You went you went on a, a man on a mission, I suppose, after freeing yourself up from Jimmy Connolly and losing the world title fight in 1984. You were still a man on a mission. You were about 28 years old and determined to get yeah. another shot. Of course, this was the era of the Four Kings. Yeah, you Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran, Tommy Hearns, and Sugar Ray Leonard. Angelo Dundee had Sugar Ray Leonard in his camp, didn't he? But he was probably where he was retired at the time. So was Angelo yeah. looking to push you into the into the contender mix there? Yeah, he was, and he, uh, uh, he he told me he, he told me that if I could fight, which of them would I like to fight? I said, you know, Leonard or I said Leonard or, or Duran, because uh, what about or Hagler? He said, uh, no. I said uh, Hagler, yeah, but not Tommy Hearns. He was too tall for me. I thought, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I sparred with Hagler before, like, you know, and I knew a lot about him. 
Yeah, no doubt. And and later on, Angelo Dundee would pick your brains about sparring Hagler before oh, yeah, Hagler took did. on Leonard in that super fight. He did. Uh, yeah, he just he did that, and he he was a really good trainer, like you know. What did he What did he bring to the table? Was he more of somebody who kind of he went in the la- in the final week or two of camp, or would he oversee you? Yeah, that's what he used to do. Uh, so sometimes I used to go down to him for three weeks before the fight, but if I didn't go down there, like you know, he he'd come up, he'd go to where the fight was, uh, the, maybe the five or six days before, or between five or six days before the fight. Mm. He seemed like a good-humored man, and uh, he gave well, an he was a really nice person. He, he gave an interview at News Talk many years ago, which is detailed in the book. Say, uh, Sean and I had a lot of kicks together. Uh, he once called, came out and called me a dumb Guido. I tell him, "Hey, you be better. Yeah, you, you better be careful." My wife's Irish, and she's gonna kick the hell out of you. So it sounds like you guys <laughs> had a had a good meeting of minds there, you know? Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, I guess. Uh, he he was really. You could, you could talk to him like a, I could talk to him like I knew him all my life. Like you know, that's that kind of a person he was. Did he talk often about his experience in boxing? Because we know he spent so much time with Muhammad Ali, you know, known as the greatest. And we we know Muhammad's career from the rumble in the jungle to the thriller in Manila, going back to fighting Sonny List and, and, and everything in between. Did he, is it something he spoke about often? Uh, he would he would talk about a lot of the fighters he had. And he, like, not, not after, but if you brought him up, brought it up to him, he would talk about it like, you know... Uh, like he, I never, I never heard him talking bad about anybody actually. So uh, that seemed to be his trait. There was a brilliant profile written about him in 1987, around the time you we were working with him. I think it was Gary Smith in the uh, in Sports Illustrated, one of the finest articles I've ever read. Now, and you got to mention in it as well. But he's talking about uh, Angelo Dundee's background. And his father was extremely abusive and his mother was extremely loving. So he was a mama's boy, but his father would, would kick the living hell out of him. So it was, almost like, it was almost like Angelo Dundee had two personalities as well. He was the, he was the guy who wanted to please all the time, everybody from reporters to managers. And he was, he was on top of absolutely everything because he probably didn't, you know, maybe it was, it was ingrained in him not to get a backlash. But then in the 60 seconds between rounds, he had a switch and he'd flip. He'd really up the ante in a, in a fight. And I think Bob Arum later on called him the greatest motivator in the history of boxing or the greatest motivator. Uh, in the world. I, uh, I would agree with Bob Arum that like, you know, he was really, um, he was really a good motivator. Like, you know, he was, he was good at everything he'd done. Like, you know, and when all he'd done was with boxing mostly all his life, himself and his brother, um, his brother was good too. He was a manager. He was a good promoter, actually, that uh, his brother, Chris Dundee. And uh, yeah, he he was. Uh, they, they were great guys. Like they were good for boxing. Like you know, they, they, that's all you do used to do is talk about boxing after the fight, after the training and all that. Just talk about anybody you want to. Like he, he was very easy to talk to. Like you know, and he'd tell you anything. Like you know, he was. Uh, you know, he was really. Uh, he was really gentleman. Like you know, he was really nice. Person. He broke camp, obviously, from the le- from preparing Sugar Ray Leonard for Marvin Hagler to come and train you for a fight, and he ended up asking a lot about Marvin Hagler. But what did what could you tell him about Marvin Hagler, who sadly passed away earlier this year? Yeah, uh, he said, um, like he asked me what 
what kind of a person he is. He's a really nice person, like what he was. And uh, how's he fighting? I said, he's good. <laughs> and what about, what about himself and Leonard? Uh, if Leonard fights him, I said, Hagler will beat him. But if he boxes him, he's, good, he's got a chance of winning, like, you know. But uh, Leonard then, at the end of every round, he used to throw flurry punches. And that's what the judges were looking at. Like, you know, because I really, I totally thought that Hagler would the fight myself. But that's only me saying it. But uh, uh, I I thought uh, Leonard would throw flurry punches after, uh, I think, maybe the last 20 to 15 seconds of every round. And that's what the, that's what the judges, that's what the judges seen. And that's what they, that's how he won it, like, you know. Yeah. And how much time did you spend with Marvin Hagler yourself? When I first came out here, the morning I went to, uh, I used to go down to to, to train to, to Brockton. It's about thirty miles from from where I lived in Dorchester. And uh, we used to go, go down there. once happened in front of my Paracrelis? What was it? We we used to go down there just to see him, like you know. And then I, I sparred with him, and Tony Petronelli was another guy. When, his father and his uncle was managing and training Hagler. But he uh, asked, is there any southpaw in the house? And uh, I said, yeah, I'm a southpaw, but uh, I don't have my gear with me. And I'm, I'm only a walkway. I had to put you where I was at the time. And, will, you, will you go a couple of rounds? And I said, I go two rounds with him. But I happened I went four rounds with Tony Petanelli. And we, we we just had a good, good, good spars, like, you know. And then, uh, then I sparred with Hagler. Not too often with Hagler, because... And a couple of times I spent with him because I was I was a southpaw and he was a southpaw and he usually was fighting the the, the in a orthodox and all that. Mm. So um, I spent with Hagler a good couple of times, but uh, his brother Robbie Sims, I spent with him a lot, and I spent with. Uh, Tony personality at the time. It shows how much of a family business boxing is. So if you're sparring Marvin and his brother, uh, Robbie Sims, and you know you, you're trained by Angelo Angelo Dundee, who 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 trained Sugar Ray Leonard, and you fought Roger Leonard as well, and there's, yeah. so, there's so many connections all the way through. Yeah, yeah, actually it is. You're thinking, well, yeah. Did uh, did Roger Leonard Leonard have the goods? He, he retired quite early, didn't he? Before he really got to yeah. show his true form. He did. His his brother. Actually, retired him. Sugar Ray retired him. I don't know why, but he was good. And Sugar, I was talking to Sugar Ray Leonard a couple of times. One time he told me, What year did you fight Roger? I told him, uh, 78, I think, or 79. And he said, oh, well, He was good, he said. He said, He was way better than me, but uh, he didn't have the discipline, he said. So, I don't know, like, he, he was good. I know he was good, like, you know. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That's gas, because uh, yeah. we, we, ha- we had a story on the podcast previously about how Muhammad Ali set up his brother Rachman uh, with a fight with a previous guest. And uh, that's how he got Rachman to retire as well. He set him up with a fight he knew he'd lose. Yeah, that's what we did. That Sugar Ray stopped his last fight. I don't know why, but yeah, I know he was good anyways. So regarding your time with uh, with Angelo Dundee, like he, I, your first fight, I think you said it was uh, one of your first fights together. Anyway, it was out in Stockton against Fred Hutchings. Yeah, that, that was a really good win for your career at that stage as you're rebuilding. Like Hutchings had fought. Um, he fought Tommy Hearns the previous year. He'd lost to him, but he'd beaten yeah. Kirkland Lang, who had a win over Roberto Duran. And, you know, he, so he really mixed it in, in top names. Uh, they called him the pumper, uh, not just because he pumped out the job, but he, he worked at the gas station as well, which was... Oh, yeah, that's what he did, yeah. He but, did, yeah. But do you, do you recall yourself and Angelo working together for that? Um, and did, was Angelo good at picking you up and telling you, like, come on, like, Sean, you can beat these guys? Yeah, he, was, he seemed to be the, like this motivator, you know? He, he was good. He was good at things like that, you know, because I was with him one time and uh, uh, where was I? Down in Florida, I think. And uh, I know, out in California. And uh, but, uh, like I, I came back after the second round and I said, my hand is killing me. My thumb is killing me. I think I'm broken. But he said, you might as well throw it anyways. He said, it's going to be hurting you in the morning. It's the same thing. So I kept going anyways, and I won the fight. But uh, it so happened that I went to to, uh, to the hospital uh, after a week after the fight, myself and in front of my job, McDonald's from, from home. Yeah, we uh, we were down in the bar at the 12 minutes, and he said, I, I couldn't I couldn't even hold a glass in my hand. So he come on, we go to the hospital and my hand was broken. My toe was broken around here and I had a cast on for about six weeks and it was the middle of the summer and I hated it. But that's what Angela said. Throw it, keep throwing it easy anyway, because it's gonna be hurting you in the morning anyways. The same thing. Yeah. So I remember that uh, I had to laugh at I, I laugh at it now. I didn't laugh at it that time. Well, it got you the wind, didn't it? He did, he sure did. By the time you were set up to fight in Europe for your European debut, it was in the UK, took place at the Alexandra Palace. You'd won eight in a row, some of them under um, Angelo Dundee, and you know, you're rebuilding after the Mike McCallum fight. So you come to Europe to fight uh, a guy, Errol Christie, who's a rising star of British boxing. And uh, yourself and Angelo and everybody, you came across the Atlantic and the plan was to mount a European campaign. Do you remember the optimism of yeah. the fight? And, uh, like, uh, with that fight, I was in really good shape. I was uh, I trained hard for that fight because I didn't want to lose to an Englishman first. But I mean, I didn't want to lose to anybody, but I trained really hard. And like, I, I thought there'd be, there wouldn't be too many people uh, for me at the fight, like, you know, because I was over in, 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 in his own country. 
But when I went out, when I went out there, and see everybody was from, from on my side. There was at least three quarters of the people who were there that were from Ireland. And uh, then with that fight, I tried to be better than I was, and I tried to do things different and better and all that. But I was just making mistakes, and he beat me anyway. Like I almost had him twice, actually, in the fourth round, and I think around uh, seventh. But that's the only thing. And did you rate Christy, or did you feel that you just couldn't catch up to him on the particular night? Him, but he was he was a good boxer. He was really good. He was he was a good boxer. He was he was world class. Yeah, he had a wicked demise actually recently, didn't he? He died. He he got cancer he and he died. He died. It was only fifty two or three, I think, when he died. Yeah, his son Cyrus plays football for Ireland. You might have seen in in recent years. No, I haven't. I don't, I don't follow soccer too much. Okay. Yeah, I like it, but I, mean, I don't go crazy about it. <laughs> yeah, as many previous guests have said the same. Um, like even before the fight, Angelo spoke to the, uh, the Irish Independent and said, when I joined Sean, um, I didn't try to change anything about his style. Instead, I tried to add little things on. He was impressed by you at the, the strength of your boxing and, and smart as well. Do you recall anything that he, he tried to add to your game? Uh, yeah. Like a few little things, like you know, I mean, very little things that you wouldn't even know that matters, but mm. they do matter when you're in the fight, when you're in the ring. Like, um, I, I can't think of them right now off my heart, like, yeah, but he, he was good, like, you know, he was good at things like that, like, you know, he never tried to change a fighter, he just tried to add on to what you, what you have, like, you know, and help you to do other things, like, you know, yeah. Yeah. It was obviously disappointing because you know that's 1986, and it it doesn't it doesn't help the dream of of securing a fight against one of the big names that you're looking for back in the states. But I suppose it also puts the brakes on the uh, the European angle of yeah. your career, which you were looking to start. Because had you beaten Christie, I suppose you were thinking in your head you could come back and fight maybe in Ireland as well. Yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd love to fight in Ireland. I mean, I always I always wanted to fight in Ireland, and there was. There's hardly any promoters there, but Ernie Eastwood once told me we 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 get we get to something or whatever. But and nothing came up came out of it. And there's another guy from AO. He was trying to make a fight there, but never came up either. And I told him I would fight there for nothing, like you know, just to fight at home for like you know, professional. I never did. It was only a short few years later that someone that you would have met all the way through in in. Um the East Coast of America, Steve Collins, you kind of nearly paved the way for him because he came back from America, having started his career, being unsuccessful for the world title against the same guy, Mike McCallum and obviously yeah. Reggie Johnson as well. But he came back to Europe and just managed to pick up a few wins and win his world title. And I yeah. suppose that's kind of, you look at it probably and think, I suppose maybe that's what I was hoping to do. That's That was the plan, you know? Yeah, I, I probably should have done the same thing, but um, I like uh, I was in America. And I was my family was in America, yeah. most of them, my brothers and sisters and my cousins and all my friends there, and that's what I wanted to be. And that's uh, just a matter of where I'd be. I don't if I wasn't heavily, even I don't think I'd beat Mike McCall because mm. he was he was really good. Like you know, he did, and I don't think he got the recognition that he deserved either. No, not in, in his prime, no, not against those guys. That's, that's what I think. You know, he was good. After the fight with uh, Errol Christie, uh, you got some advice from your uh, your original trainer 
and then your current trainer and, and they did they contrasted didn't they like one mike flaherty said one thing and angelo said said another yeah uh, i told him mike flaherty is i i'm thinking I'm, I'm going to retire you know and angelo told me then don't make up a, don't make up uh, your mind he said after a fight like this take it take your time and you know, so he, he had a point too, like, you know. But my flower, he said, you, you're, done, you're done enough, he said. Like, I was fighting since I was uh, uh, 12 years old, like, you know. Yeah. I suppose in, in hindsight, if you look back, is that where you would have liked to have drawn a line under the career? Or do you have any regrets about going on? Because I think you had, I think you had another seven years. I think you finally hung him up, was it 93? But you had a couple yeah. of years of inactivity there between, was it? Yeah, 87 and, uh, 87 and 88 or 88 and 99 so yeah. we just love fighting you kept taking the calls from Paris and Germany and going across taking yeah. taking these fights on a whim fighting some of the some of the toughest hitting European guys like Henry Mask and a few others as well you kind of yeah. went over have gloves will travel and I suppose yeah. how do you see that the, I guess the with, with all due respect meant like the, the journeyman stage of your career like uh, is it something that you look back on and wish you didn't participate in or was no, it I'm not, good to be involved in boxing stuff? No, I'm not sorry about, about any fight I took. Maybe once, maybe one fight I took, uh, I took it over overnight and I wasn't even training at the time. I was, I was probably almost retired. Darius Miskaleski, he was a Polish guy. Yeah. Uh, he, he was in, uh, in Germany. And uh, I, I just went over there and I, I didn't come out for the third round because I'm pain in my side like you know but uh, that's the only fight that I'm sorry I took like you know and but Henry Maskey that was a good fight like you know I was really training hard they were like they were light heavyweight like you know mm -hmm. they were like light heavyweight and um, Henry Maskey was you know uh, Michel Miskaleski he was light heavyweight champion and cruiserweight champion I mean, I, know I was only by right a junior middleweight. I know that's the, that's the only one I'm sorry I took. Like, you know, this. I, I just told the, the, the matchmaker, he was in New York, and he called me and I said, and I'm, I'm retired. I said, um, well, will you do me a favor? He said, I need, I need, so do you know anybody that'll go over and fight him? And I, I was trying to look for somebody, nobody. And he said, will you please come over? Will you please fight him? I don't know. I said, I'm not, I'm not training. I'm not in shape. Like, you know, but yeah, you go a few rounds with him. I said, I, I always go into winners at this. I never, I never go into lose. But uh, that's, what, that's what happened there. I would, I would over the end and that was it. Like, you know. Yeah. Of course, you were no longer working with Angelo Dundee at this stage. I think, I'm not sure exactly when your last fight took place together, but I assume it was around 88 or when you took that extended leave around 88. Yeah. That, that was the, did you keep in touch after? Um, we did. You kept boxing, but did you? You kept in well, touch. I kept kept in touch with him. I used to talk to him all the time. Not all the time, but a couple of times a year. Like you know, I used to talk to him on the phone. Yeah, actually, a couple of months before he died, I, I talked to him. Uh, he, he was he was just a nice person. Yeah, and I suppose he made one of your dreams come true as well. He introduced you to Muhammad Ali. One of the reasons you started boxing. Yeah, yeah but I never met Muhammad Ali. But I talked to him on the phone him, yeah, yeah. five minutes. But, uh, that's how we were. We went out to California. I had a magazine 
yeah, on the bed. And, um, it was Muhammad Ali that was on the, on the cover, and uh, Angelo came into the room. Oh, you, when was the last time you talked to Muhammad? Are you kidding me? I, said, I never talked to him. I never met him. Oh, we'll, we'll take care of that. So he, he just called him, and he wasn't at home. He was at the, he was at the time he was at, uh, at the Kentucky Derby. But about an hour later, I got a call back in the room. And it was, it was Muhammad Ali that ca called myself an Angelo. That's the only time now I talked to him. Do you remember the conversation? He said, oh, you're the Irish guy that Angelo talks about. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm part Irish too, he said. Oh, yeah, sure. I said, yeah. Well, I found out later that he was. That's right. And his great-grandfather came from County Clare. But, uh, I thought at the time, like, you know, that he was only just messing with me, but he was telling the truth. I never met him, and, I, and I'd love to have met him, like, you know. Do you recall hit the day in 2012 that you heard Angelo Dundee died in Florida, age 90? Yeah, I remember the day. Yeah, I got a call actually from the radio, the girl from, the, from uh, Anya Lally. She was, and they knew that he was, and I didn't know that he died. Like, I was at home at the time. And she said, What do you think about Angelo Dundee? Oh, great guy, and all that. I said, but, Did you know that he died? Oh my God, no, I didn't know. I said, you know, which I didn't know. It was a sad day for me, like, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Did you did you make it to the funeral or? No, because I, I was in Ireland at the time. And I think he was, I, I, I would never have made it in time, like, you know. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's Angelo Dundee would have turned 100 years old today, or not today, would have turned 100 years old this year. It was back in August. Uh, a legend of the sport. Oh, she sure was. Regards your own involvement in boxing these days, Sean, uh, do you keep you keep an eye in? I saw you in the corner for a, a young Connemara man who made his professional debut, uh, former elite champion, Thomas O'Toole. And uh, there you yeah. were, pop, popping up at the corner. Yeah, I was, yeah, with, with him and um, uh, he, he's a good good kid, like, you know, he's, he's, he's got a lot of talent and I would say that he would go a long way. He'd be fighting again now in uh, November out here. Um, so, what's what's your involvement? Are you are you involved in his, no, his, his training regime or? Well, no, because he's in Ireland. He, well, other than with him, I talk to him and I give him advice if I can, like, you know, but he... I'd say if he moves out here, which he probably would be good for him, I'd say, but uh, I'd be I'd be trying to help him anyway. Like, but he is a very good kid. Like you know, he's really he's got a lot of talent. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's some obviously great fighters coming up from Galway over the years. Like we've we've seen one of my first heroes was Francie Barrett. We had him on the podcast here. Yeah. Uh, I know yeah. yourself and himself go back as well. Yeah, France is a nice person too, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he was a good fighter too, I'll tell you. Yeah, and there's a few up-and-comers from Galway as well. The current Irish middleweight champion, Gabriel Dawson, the light, light middleweight champion, Kieran Malloy from Uchtarard, oh, yeah, yeah. Adam, Adam Heshey and young fighter as well. So Galway yeah. boxing is is flourishing at the minute. It is. Yeah, they had, I think they had three All-Ireland seniors this year. Yeah. Which before... We, we, we'd never had any senior champions before, like, you know. But Kiara Malai, uh, his uh, grandmother were from 
the girl thought they were you like, you know, he's he he's he speaks fluent Gaelic and all that, you know. But yeah, I met him a couple of times when I met him when he was young, like, you know, he's from Ostrard. And uh, I'd say he he go places too, like, you know. He he already won the All Ireland three times. So Yeah, he's a superb he's a superb fighter, all right. No, he he's a he's a good person, like, you know. But look. At that, uh, we've spoken about the past, we've spoken about the present, we've spoken about the future. Sean Mannion, thanks so much for joining us today on the Rocky Road to discuss the great Angelo Dundee's 100-year anniversary of his birth. And uh, happy birthday to yourself as well on a couple of weeks yeah, back. Thank you. Turning 65. You don't get free travel back in Ireland, I think, now until you're 66. <laughs> they keep changing the rules. Maybe when I go, when I retire, I go, go back to, I get to, I get to pitch them. Yeah. <laughs> thank but, you. Well, look, all the best to you and your, and your gang over there. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon, I hope. All right. Thanks very much. <laughs>